Welcome to our Apostolic Mentoring Weekly Podcast, where powerfully anointed kingdom servants equip, impart, and help to position God's people for apostolic ministry. Our purpose is to establish the biblical apostolic pattern globally so that the army of God will be apostolic in word and deed, facilitating God's global harvest. Here's your host, Charles Robinette. If my life is not where it needs to be in relationship to God, that out of my relationship to God comes my authority, my anointing, my ability to create harvest, my ability to create growth in people. I was 19 years old and I was in Canada. And then I went to general conference And at that particular time at General Conference, the evangelist seminar that they had or the evangelist banquet that they had was not like the main service of the whole General Conference. Uh, It was the best thing going at that moment. And so I, as an evangelist, went to that meeting and all the great evangelists were there. Anthony Mangan, he was just 20 something years old. Uh, and Mike Williams, uh, there was uh, Richard Hurd, Mike Hayes, uh, Steve Muncy, Steve Fender, and the people that were speaking was Mark Hanby, Kenneth Phillips, Tommy Kraft, Merle Ewing, I mean, the best of the best. Now, I left that meeting. It was a phenomenal meeting. I mean, and everyone was just super nice. It wasn't anything that anybody said or did. But I walked away from that meeting totally discouraged because I knew that I was not in their class. There was no way that I could match their anointing, their giftings, or their talent. They were so far beyond me. And I walked away, and I just was honest with God. I said, God, if you don't do something, I'm I'm going to, there's no way I'm going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I can't match that. There's just no way I can do it like Mark Hanby, Kenneth Phillips, and Anthony Mangan, and all of those great people. So what am I going to do? I'm going to starve to death on the evangelistic field. I'm going to have to go back home and get a job. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm 19. I don't have their talents. Well, in every crisis moment in my life, I have always done one thing. I have gone to God in prayer and fasting. Because if you really need to hear from the Lord and get direction, prayer and fasting is the only way I know to do it. It's just that simple. You got to push the plate back. And I'm talking about total fast. I'm not talking about a Daniel's fast. I'm not talking about cheating fast. I'm talking about starve your fool self to death fast. That's what I'm talking about. Well, on the fifth day, I went on a five-day fast, and I went to God in prayer. And on the fifth day, I felt the Lord come into the room where I was at in Canada. It was 38 degrees below zero outside. It was cold. I was miserable. My wife was in Alaska with our firstborn baby, and it was just a miserable time. 
But the Lord visited me in my room and sat down on the edge of the bed with me. And I felt his arm come around me and he spoke into my spirit and said, Brian, if you'll learn to meet me every day, I'll show you how to do this. And I will make of you what I want to. But you got to meet me every day. And so from that point, these principles began to forge in my spirit. I wrote about it and made for more about developing that rule of five, where you the five things that you do every day to personally grow in your relationship to God could be different for different people. But you need to come up with a disciplined plan of everydayness with God where you spend that time with him because he's the only one that can empower us to do his will in the earth without those concepts and principles. And I found that I had been taught a lot of things, not necessarily nothing concerning our doctrine, our message, our holiness, our lifestyle, nothing concerning that. But it, I was taught so many different concepts that were not biblical that would not allow me to operate in authority and anointing. And when God began to change my concepts and my, my understanding of these principles, then I recognized the word of God is true. I mean, God operates according to his word. And if there's anything the apostolic church needs in this hour is the authority and the anointing of God to give us the dominion that we need to overthrow the spirit of despondency that we are fighting that has seemed to settled over everybody. I mean, not just the people of our churches. It's been it's over the whole world. You can't go anywhere without people feeling that sense of despair. And it's been generated, it's been broadcasted by the media, but I think it's been generated by hell to try to shut down the church and to keep us from becoming what God wants us to be. Well, that's the reason why these seven principles, I believe, are going to be even more powerful and more uh, life-changing and transforming because you have to determine do I really want to make the changes in my thinking? And then it orders your emotions as well, once these concepts get into your spirit. Because what I have found, we generally end up sabotaging ourselves by the wrong emotions, allowing our emotions to get away from us. Speaking out of our emotion and not out of, of the Holy Ghost or the Word of God. And you, we've got to learn how to do this because God is depending on us. God is calling us to this. God is desiring us. He wants to use us in this hour in a greater dimension than he's ever done before. And I, I was struggling with that burning desire to increase the effectiveness of my ministry because I wanted more souls to be saved. I wanted saints to receive greater light and to become true disciples of Jesus Christ. I wanted them to be better equipped to tackle the unique problems of our society. And so God led me to these seven principles in scripture. They've literally revolutionized the results when I preach. I went from adding to the church to multiplying the church. 
I went from being afraid of, of the situation to knowing that God had called me and that God had prepared me. But God is more interested in a prepared vessel than in a prepared message. In God's economy, the most important factor is the condition of my heart, the condition of my spirit. Ministry is a matter of both a renewed spirit and a renewed mind working together to produce God's purpose. And so if you look into the scripture, you find that it's only mentioned once where we are to be renewed in our spirit, Titus 3, 5. But three times in scripture, he tells us to renew our minds and renew the spirit of our minds. And we do that by spending time with God every day in his word, in prayer. And I'll tell you what my rule of five is in just a moment. But I want to share with you my first principle that God opened my understanding to. I mean, it, it just revolutionized my thinking. And that is the consistency of God. From the example of one of David's mighty men, Benaiah, who gained victory over a lion in a pit on a snowy day. He defeated the lion in a pit at his lowest, on a snowy day at his coldest, and discovered that even when he is at his lowest and his coldest, God can still give us the victory. But to do that, we have to learn to master our emotions you know, I've heard people say all throughout my life, when everybody in this church gets unified, we'll have revival. When everybody starts praying, we'll have revival. Well, there's never been a day in my life when I've been in any church where everybody was praying, when everybody was in unity. And if that's the condition, we are losing. We're fighting a losing battle. I pastor 1,600 people. And there is no way I'm going to get that bunch on the same page where the Bible teaches us to operate in authority and anointing where two or three are gathered in my name. There will I be in the midst. All I need is one other person on this call to come into agreement with me in the Holy Ghost and the power of God's going to move. I don't care where you're at emotionally. I don't care what's going on in your life. God cannot be hindered from operating in his perfect will if I can find one other person to join with me in the name of Jesus and come into agreement. I believe me and Brother Robinette are in agreement in the Holy Ghost. I believe that we're already connected uh, in the Spirit. So I know God's going to move because. My faith is not a feeling. It's an acceptance of truth in the face of adverse circumstances. Whether I'm on the mountain or in the valley or in a pit on a snowy day, whether I'm an Elijah facing the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, or I'm a David in the valley of Elah facing Goliath, or I'm Benaiah in a pit on a snowy day facing a lion, God has given us the power to operate and he will give us the power to be equal to the task at hand. So I've learned to create my own atmosphere. Even when I was a kid preacher running around trying to do my best, I could create my own atmosphere 
when I had the right attitude about everybody else's coldness and everybody else's lack of response. Our motives have to be re-examined in order for us to come into alignment with this. We got to align ourselves with what God values. When you determine that you will no longer preach just to do a good job, but you will minister to help save someone from the destructive jaws of the lion, even when you're having a bad day, don't let your bad mood stop you from operating in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And don't just allow the emotions that you feel at this particular moment stop you from believing that God is able to deliver. I promise you, if God puts this principle of divine consistency, I am the Lord and I change not. He's declared it in the spirit. It's the foundational statement of God's character that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is always the same. And we can create our own atmosphere. Uh, we can literally clear the air of the negativity. I found out you can clear the air of the negativity just by you deciding in your spirit, the Lord is in this place because I brought him to the house. There's been times when, when, the, when the church was so cold and the church was so dead and it was so negative in its atmosphere that people sat back in the church and marveled at how an anointing could flow in such an atmosphere. And yet I was able to stand up and take authority on the worst day. I can trust God to be at his very best. Because I, the terrifying foe that faces us in the pit is not really my true enemy. The, the, the Goliath in the valley is not my true enemy. And all of the prophets of Baal is not my true enemy. My true enemy is myself and my own emotions and my own mood swings and my own inability to bring myself into alignment with God's perfect consistency and constancy. That means that God can move right now on, on this online lesson as powerfully as he's ever moved in any general conference, any crusade, any meeting you've ever been in, in your entire life. God not only can move in the same dimension, he can, he can go beyond it and he can do more than he's ever done before. I'm not just convinced of that. I know it because I've seen it operate. I've seen God uh, move with such power. Now, here's what Elijah did in order to be able to gain victory on his mountaintop. He first repaired the altar. And that's where your rule of five comes in. You've got to repair your altar. And it's important that you do this. I remember when I was preaching for Brother J.T. Pugh, this is back when I was in my 20s, he was pastoring in Odessa before Brother Terry Pugh took over. I think he was helping his dad at that particular time, but I was preaching revival. And back there in those days, we stayed with the preacher uh, and or we stayed in a rundown evangelist quarters. <laughs> You missionaries on deputation know exactly what I'm referring to. Uh, 
but we stayed, I stayed with Brother Pugh and, uh, you know, Brother Pugh was uh, an amazing man of God, but he loved his breakfast and he always ate a good breakfast. And sometimes Sister Pugh would get up in the morning and make us those big, fantastic, buttery, flaky biscuits. Brother Pugh didn't believe in margarine. He didn't believe in, in, in that fake stuff. He believed in the real thing. So he had real butter. And he didn't believe in store-bought honey. He got his honey from a hive in the area. And I'm telling you, we would put butter on those biscuits and we would put that honey on those biscuits. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost all over me. <laughs> well, sometimes Sister Pew didn't feel like cooking breakfast, so we had to walk to McDonald's. It was two miles to McDonald's and we had to walk. And so he would teach me while we walked and I would walk with him to McDonald's and he would instruct me and I would just listen. And he asked me a question one day. He said, brother Kinsey, I, I would like to ask you a question. Do you have a plan for personal growth in your life and ministry? And I hesitated for about 15, 10 to 15 seconds trying to think real quick. He said, that's what I thought. You do not. <laughs> he said, Brother Kinsey, you need to be able to tell me your plan for growth within five seconds or you do not have one. And so uh, you need to know where you go to, to seek God. You need to have a place. You need to have a time. You need to know what you're wanting to accomplish. You need to have books that you're reading. You need to be able to know that every day at this time, barring emergencies and urgent situations, barring any of that, where you go to God in prayer every day and learn from his word. And I learned something from what he taught me. And I developed this rule of five. And this is where I, I saw this consistency of God. This is how God spoke it into my spirit. Is that I was in a daily devotion. And he showed me Benaiah's magnificent uh, defeat of the lion in a pit on a snowy day. And I saw that. God doesn't care what emotional condition the atmosphere of the church is in. He cares about whether or not I've been walking with him every day. We can purify the atmosphere around us when we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. Nothing will be impossible to those of us who allow God to bring about this alignment with our, our emotions to the word of God our concepts to the word of God. We need to bring everything into alignment. If Jesus can heal a man on the Sabbath day with everybody angry at him, and he can bring forth one man and cause him to restore his hand on the Sabbath day, I'm going to tell you right now, in the midst of COVID, God can still give you revival 
and God can still give us an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We might be in a seed planting time rather than in a harvest time, but God can still open the door for us to prepare ourselves for the greatest harvest because the greatest harvest is about to happen in the kingdom of God. And that's not just something I'm saying to whistle in the dark. That is what God has taught me in my rule of five. Every day I go before the Lord in prayer. Every day I operate in authority. Every day I, I take authority in the Holy Ghost. And I'll share with you in just a moment what my rule of five is. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to make it the same, but you've got to do something. And I, I taught our church this. And when I taught our church how to personally grow in the kingdom without depending on just a church service alone to give you the strength you need to make it in your walk with God, our church has doubled. And we had a large church when I took it, but we have more than doubled this church since I have uh, taught them how to grow. Because when you start growing, people's hearts and people's minds to where they've overcome the toxic culture of Pentecost, the jealousy, the anger, the lust, and the rage that people's passions connect to. When you determine how to do that, God is able to give you a strong deliverance that will bring about consistency in your life. And that is what you've got to be able to to, to produce in order to sustain your growth. Cause I'm not just interested in teaching you about growing. I want you to sustain it. I want you to start enjoying your times with God more than when you're in the pulpit, more than when you're even uh, with other people. I want you to enjoy those times. I want God to begin to step into your life and, and show you how to bring everything into alignment to his word. I feel the Holy Ghost right now on me in the spirit because I believe that God is going to give you power over your emotions and your fears and, and, and different things that are working against you and keeping you from creating this atmosphere because you don't want to create an atmosphere of fear. And we don't want to create now the fear of the Lord, yes, but not the fear that has torment. And there's a fear that hath torment, the Bible says, and then there's the spirit of the fear of the Lord, where we always constantly want to have the spirit of the fear of the Lord, but never the fear that has torment. I don't want to create an atmosphere of jealousy. I don't want to create an atmosphere of panic and anxiousness. I want to create an atmosphere. It's all right to admit these emotions exist, but I want you to draw such strength from the rock, such strength from your daily devotion and your daily altar that you're, you're going to repair. I, I told our people, I said, I want you to go home and I want you to select a place. I want you to tell me where you go. Because if you can't tell me where you go to pray or where you go to read or where you go to, to do your rule of five, you don't have a place and you're not doing it. So forget it. If you can't tell me the time that you try to, and I know all of us have life to live and we've got jobs and we've got different things that we've got to do and, and families that we got to tend to, and that's all understandable. And sometimes that ha you have to be flexible in that. But you need a time where you 
try to every day go to your place and meet with God. It is vital. I cannot tell you how important it is. When, when COVID hit and they shut us all down, I went online for the first time where I addressed our church on a regular service night with no church because we were shut down. I said, I've taught you your rule of five. I taught you your daily walk. Now you know why I taught you to do this because God's going to work during our shutdown as great as he works in church. And I'm going to prove it to you. We had people come into the church to get baptized. We had testimonies of people getting the Holy Ghost online. I mean, God continued to move with power in the midst of all of this. Now, see, Moses messed up when he smote the rock the second time. And, and here's what I want to share with you because it's so vitally important. And this is what Brother Billy Cole taught me. I used to pick him up early in the morning and take him to the young minister's class at Louisiana camp meeting when I was the uh, brother Tenney put me in charge of that. So I had to take care of the speaker and he would teach us while we were riding in the cart together. He would teach us during the class. And he said something to me, brother. He said, brother Kinsey, I want to share something with you that I think will change your life forever. He said, I learned long ago that whatever I want to see in the ministry, not everybody's going to approve of it or like it. So I want to, I wanted to, at very young age, I wanted to see over 3,000, yea, 5,000 people to get, receive the Holy Ghost in a single service. As a matter of fact, I hungered for it. And I kept saying it. I kept saying it even when people mocked me. And even people made fun of me, maligned my character. I kept saying it until I got to see it. And then I kept speaking it until I saw what I was speaking. And that's exactly what God is teaching us to do. Quit smiting the rock with your out of control emotions and start speaking to it. And say what you want to see until you see what you say. <laughs> say what you want to see until you see what you say. And I learned that from Brother Billy Cole. And I promise you that if you will keep saying it, it creates consistency. Because you don't change messages when you change moods. You don't change you don't change words when you change emotions because everybody has mood swings and everybody gets down and discouraged, but I don't speak out of that. I've learned to go to my place. I've learned to stand before God and I've learned to speak what I want to see. I want to see revival in your churches, in your place of ministry, wherever and whatever you're able to do. God is still at work behind the scenes. And I promise you that consistency is the very, 
the very disciplined, constant, daily relationship with Jesus Christ that you need to receive. The second principle that God taught me, oh, this was a tough one for me. I'm going to tell you because I've had trouble with this one. The constancy of God seemed to make sense to me. The consistency one was an easier principle for me to adapt to because I saw the value of it immediately and it just seemed to click in my mind and I was able to step up to it and create my own atmosphere by by developing my rule of five and getting my daily walk with God so that God could show me how to operate in authority and anointing. But this second one was my battle. I guess everybody's going to struggle with one of them. Well, I struggled with number two. And the second one was what Brother Barnes taught me. I, I, I had been an evangelist for 20 years. Uh, and I wanted more. I wanted to see God work more in my ministry than he'd ever done before. Uh, I, I wanted to increase. I wanted to grow exponentially. I wanted multiplication. I, I was tired of addition. I mean, I'd get four or five people prayed through, but I wanted 100, 200, 500, 1,000. Come on, God, let's do this thing. And so I went to Brother Barnes. I, I, I don't know if y'all know Brother T.W. Barnes. He pastored in Minden for 800 years, and I've preached for him several times, and he was a, a mighty man of God. And I, I just set an appointment with him to go see him. And when I walked in the door of his little office, the rectangular office, I walked in the door. He stood up. He didn't shake my hand. He didn't say, Brother Kenzie, how you doing? Great to see you. I love you. He didn't say any of that. He just pointed his bony finger right in my face and said, Brian, you don't enjoy the battle anymore. He said, you got to make up in your mind every morning when you wake up, you'll have to unsheathe your sword and prepare yourself for war for Satan's never going to give up. He will never cease to try and take you down. And if you make it to heaven and walk through those pearly gates, listen carefully as they close behind you, because you will hear the rat-a-tat-tat of the arrows as he makes his last-ditch effort to stop you from realizing God's perfect will. He said, but you remember this, for every new level of power you achieve, you face a new set of devils more sophisticated than the last. But you also remember that the same thing that defeated him before will defeat him again and again and again. The same name, the same blood, the same word works over and over again. Wow. You have to enjoy the battle. And this is what God showed me in one of my devotions. When Samson encountered the lion on his way to Timnath, notice the scripture specifically states that he did not discuss his conflict with his mother or father who went with him on the journey. He had turned aside to get some grapes in a vineyard so they could eat and feast on the journey. He did not tell them about his conflict. And I've learned there are some battles you got to learn how to fight in secret. 
And I've learned to quit talking about the battle and learn to do what Samson did and extract honey from the carcass of that lion and share that honey with everybody I want to meet. Do I want to cry about my problem? Sure. But you got to quit crying about your problem. And you got to start sharing the honey. I want to know, did you get any sweetness out of it? You don't have to reveal every battle with the lion. Just remember to carry plenty of honey with you wherever you go. Celebrate the small victories. And this is how I've learned to enjoy the battle. I've learned to celebrate small victories. I've learned, as a matter of fact, Brother Robinette, I've learned to celebrate other people's victories because I can't experience all of them myself. Sometimes I'm going through a tough time, but I found that if I can find somebody else who is anointed and got a testimony and a victory that they're wanting to share, my, my best opportunity to overcome is going to be when I step into their joy and I rejoice with them in what God's doing in their life. What would happen in, oh, ha, what would happen in Pentecost right now if our jealous spirit of our brother's anointing would leave us and we could start celebrating what God's doing for somebody else? I feel like shouting on my own message right now. It is a lesson to be learned the principle of joy in the battle. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. If God has promised us that kind of strength, <laughs> that kind of emotional stability, I choose joy and not self-pity. I choose praise and not pitifulness. I choose power rather than the problem. I'm not going to just look at, do we have problems? I've got more problems than I know what to do with, but I still believe in possibilities. I still believe we can defeat the devil. The same name, the same blood, the same word works over and over again. It'll work on the devil at the low level It'll work on the devil at the new level. It'll work on the devil at any level. It still works. It worked for Jesus. It works for Brother Robinette. It works for Sister Bateman. It works for Brother uh, Grata. It works for me. It works for Nathan. It works for Carl. It works for every single person on call. This works. It'll work for you, but you've got to start enjoying the battle. We get to where we want to enjoy the victory, but we want to whine during the battle. And we want to talk about how tough it is. And it is, I'm telling you, the emotional effect. It's so serious. One of our preacher's wives ended her life. She had COVID, but she overcame COVID. But the depression that came on her as a result overwhelmed her and she took her own life. I have never seen an assault on the ministry like I have seen through the COVID deal. Many of our preachers have died that I would have never anticipated or expected something of this nature would take them out. 
and yet it has taken them out. And I'm not, and I know that I'm not, I don't want to be insensitive to that, but we're in a battle like we've never been in before. And yes, we can find joy in the midst of this battle because we don't serve God for the temporal and we don't serve God for the temporary. We serve the Lord for the eternal. And if we cannot gain sight of the eternal, you can't get joy in the battle. It's impossible if you do not have eternity in your heart. And I found going to church is a wonderful thing. Going to conferences, I love them all. I enjoy it. I enjoy meeting all of you. I love it. I want to do more of it. I just enjoy it. But I have found that you can't get what you need from God at those places only. You got to have that daily walk. You got to walk with God every day. You got to take that comfort in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, how do you have uh, victory and joy in the midst of the battle? So here's what I do. And this is this has worked for me. It may not work for you, but this is what I do. I do not dwell on my problems. I dwell on my possibilities. I don't look back and memorialize my, my victories of yesterday. I look forward to ex, ex, with expectation of what God's going to do. Expectation is greater than experience. Say, so, well, I want an experience with God. Yes. God wants you to have an experience with him, but that experience has to give way to expectation. If expectation does not become the main rule of our spirit, it's going to be very difficult for you to have joy in the battle, I can tell you right now, because you're always going to be looking backwards at what you used to have, what you saw, what you felt, and that's not going to sustain you in the battle. But what will sustain you is the expectation of what God's going to do. And you got to speak to that expectation. You can't just have it in your mind. You got to speak it. Here's the three rules of learning that I incorporate into my rule of five. And so I'm going to start sharing some of my rule of five with you. The first is, is you must read. You must write is the second. And you must speak. The best way, everybody says, how do I need, how do I learn the word of God? What do I do to study? I said, teach a Bible study. <laughs> Teaching a Bible study is the best way for you to learn the word of God. You got to study to teach it and, and, and to create your lessons and to create a disciplined manner of, of studying to, to speak your lesson. If you do not write what you read within 24 to 48 hours, you will lose it. If you do not speak it or teach it to someone, you will lose it within 72 hours. So you got to read it, you got to write it, and you got to speak it. So I, I, my rule of five, first of all, in order for me not to dwell on my problems, and then the next thing that I do to create joy in the battle is I do not let other people discourage me. Listen. 
You can't allow the roaring lions of peer pressure, cliques, misconceptions, intellectualism, and poor theology, just to name a few, keep you from experiencing the sweet fruit of God's full salvation. Don't allow others to pressure or subtly intimidate you from seeking all that God has for you. I rebuke that off of you in Jesus' name. But here's how I've been able to do this. What I do is every day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my word and I'm going to read it. And then I have my scriptures that I pray over myself and over my church and over the kingdom of God. I don't just pray my supplication or my list, my Santa Claus list, and there's nothing wrong with having one, but I don't just pray my list. I pray the word over myself. Some of you may pray through the tabernacle like Brother Anthony taught us, Brother Anthony Mangan taught us. I've done that, uh, and it's worked very powerfully in my life. It's helped me overcome the negative thinking that I am surrounded by. You got to learn to respond to criticism with a smile. And the only way I know to do this is to speak word on my life. Man, the word of God's powerful. You mean you actually pray the word? I actually take Psalms 23. I actually take Psalm 119. I, I pray Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. I pray it. I pray it all up in my life. I pray it on my wife. I pray it on my children. You got to pray the word. Because, you know, I may be asking something from God that's not his will, and it's all right if he doesn't choose to give it to me. I, I allow God to say no, and I don't, you know, get bent out of shape over it. I, I let him say no because he knows what he's doing. But when you pray the word, that's the will of God. I mean, it's never not the will of God for me to pray the word. And I, I, I take all those negative thoughts and I speak word to it. I don't try to come against it with a new experience or some new deal. I just take the word. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, devil. You hear me? I can go through COVID. I can go through the negativity. I can go through everything and overcome it in Jesus Christ. I speak the word, have faith in God, speak to the mountain to be removed and it shall be done. And I've learned to store up joy, put some honey in a jar and carry it with you because <laughs> he didn't just eat the honey himself. He shared it. And when you can learn to share, teach it, say it, get you a faith buddy. You can't share every, with everybody because they'll tear you up. Because if they're going through a tough time and you have to be wise because if they're uh, embittered by something or they've lost their victory or their joy, it's going to be very difficult for you to communicate what I'm saying now. You're going to have to do a different thing for them. And we can discuss that later on. But uh, I want you to get this rule of five. Pray that word over yourself. That joy keeps you uh, fresh. It keeps you fresh in the Holy Ghost. And, and it seals you against the negative thinking. It'll help you choose your friends a little more wisely and your associates a little more wisely. So I want you to store up joy. And I want you to have joy 
in the midst of the battle. And here's what I found out. Bitterness should never be the result of the battle. Betterness should be the result of the battle. Not bitterness, betterness. Yes, I don't like the battle any more than you do. But if I'm getting better, I got something to rejoice about. If I'm learning stuff, maybe I failed. Maybe I didn't do it just right. Maybe I, you know, wanted to slap Brother Robinette uh, and and knock him upside his head instead of love on him and bless him. <laughs> well, that's all right because I'm I'm learning about myself, and I don't have to allow my failures to defeat me. Because I promise you, this roaring lion only has a bark, and he cannot take you down. Now, he can choke the life out of you. He still has power to speak into your life and get you to believe his nonsense. But I refuse to do it. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, that's just my first rule of five, and I do it every day, and, and I speak that word, and I pray that word, and I declare that word because I decree it. I declare what I want to see happen. I decree it in the Holy Ghost. I don't just, oh, God, please give me revival and help me not to slap Brother Robinette, and oh, God, you know, and all of this whining prayer. God is so sick of us whining while we pray. If you want something from God, declare it. Say, well, how do I know if it's the will of God? If it's the word of God, it's the will of God. If like, just take this scripture, one shall put a thousand to flight and two shall put 10,000 to flight. God, I come into agreement. That's my third principle. And I'm not going to have time to get into that because that's another part of my rule of five and I'm, I'm trying to hurry here. How much more time do I have, Brother Robinette? It's 12.52, my time. 7.52, your time, I believe. You have five minutes, uh, sir, and then I'll open it up for a question and answer. I'm also going to ask you to pray over everybody. So at some point, we'll have prayer for a moment, and then I'll open it for questions and answers with everybody. I, I love it. I love it. Now, now, here's one, one thing I had to learn. And, and this is the reason why God was able to open the door. I could preach in the Canadian church. I could preach in an American church. I could preach in any church anywhere, rural, city, slow, fast, big, small, didn't make any difference. I could have revival anywhere I put my foot on that territory and claim it for Christ. And here's the reason, here's the thinking that had to change in me because I was taught it all my life that you have to have a majority because that's the democratic process. We were trained to think that way. You got to have a majority to get elected. You got to have a majority to have revival. And that is not true. It's not biblical and it's not true. 
you just you have to have two agree touching any one thing and God will do it. The reason Jesus said, uh, oh, this, this, this is powerful. The reason why you have to do two is the rabbis taught. They taught this centuries before Jesus was born. That in order to create Shekinah, in order for there to be a manifestation of the Shekinah glory, you had to have a speaker of the word and you had to have an agreer to the word, an amener. You had to have a yes and then you had to have an amen. Somebody has to declare and somebody has to affirm. It was said among the rabbis that the one who says amen is greater than the one who speaks the blessing because he completes the circuit for the Shekinah glory of God to be made manifest in our midst. I learned that I can have revival if I come into agreement with one person. All I need is one more. Do you want to break the back of this terrible force that is fighting us right now? Then all I need is one of you to agree. Now, the rest of you might be going through it. You might be struggling with some of the things. I struggle with that, that joy in the battle. I'm going to tell you, I fight it and I still fight it because I get tired in the battle. I want the victory. I don't, I don't want the battle. God, give me a victory somewhere. Just one victory. I'll take one. I'll take a half of one. Uh, and, and I'm tired of the battle. And then the Lord has to rebuke me. And I get rebuked. My wife will remind me, you got to have joy in the battle. And, and you, it, it's a part it's a part of the process. Uh, and I found as an evangelist, I could, you know, I had evangelists tell me, I don't like to preach in Canada. I love to preach in Canada. And then I've had evangelists say, I don't like to preach up north. Man, give me a north church. I'll preach because all I need is one person. If I can find one single person to come into agreement, I will Tear the devil's stronghold down. All I need is one person. And it doesn't make any difference who it is. As long as you connect in agreement over what is the will of God and what is the word of God, then God's going to flow according to his word. He's not going to flow according to my emotions. He's not going to flow according to my will. He's not going to flow. That's the difference between the supernatural and magic. A magician wants to force his will on the natural world and, and form the natural world around his will. Supernatural wants to bring God into the picture and bring God's will into force and not my will. That's why praying not my will but thine be done is more important than anything you will ever pray in your life. Not my will, but thine be done. And so God is looking to us to create this agreement. And that's why we need to get all the jealousy. How are you going to be in agreement with somebody you're jealous of? How are you going to be in agreement with somebody you're envious of? 
how you're going to fight people and not and be in agreement with them. You can't fight and be in agreement at the same time. You got to find out, do you want to curse them or you want to bless them? And you got to determine which one you want to do. So I pray the word. I pray it every day. I read it and I pray it. I speak it. I read it. And of course, uh, that's where I start. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. And, and I wanted to uh, turn this back to Brother Robinette. Uh, I think my five minutes is up. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Brother Kenji. I think before we go to a question and answer, I'd really like to ask you to just pray over all of us and speak the word over all of us. And then we'll give our team a chance to, to weigh in and ask questions of you, sir. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to speak your magnificent word into the hearts of these precious people. And I know that we are hurting over the circumstances that we're currently in, but I also know, God, that what you have shown me and taught me in my daily devotion and what I have put into action here in Pensacola to bring about a doubling of our congregation in the midst of every kind of crisis you can think of, we come through every one of those crises because we have experienced joy in the battle. I speak joy into the hearts of these people, not just in a victory that's been won, but in the battle and in the struggle. I speak consistency and constancy of my God's hand upon their life. I feel the hand of God upon these people. I feel the anointing of your spirit in their life. I feel their hunger and desire to bring your will into this world and have your power operate to make that will a reality. God, I say break the back of this enemy. I speak dominion. I speak abundance. I speak multiplication upon the people of God right now in the name of Jesus. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Apostolic Mentoring Podcast with Charles Robinette. We hope that you will tune in next week. Purchase our new book, Radically Apostolic, available on Amazon in English, German, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. See you on the next episode of Apostolic Mentoring.